Just because we talk about it on Gay Essay Radio doesn't mean that we promote it. Use your own judgment. The following program is for men aged 18 and over. This program contains adult content aimed at men who have sex with men. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The Steam Room on Gay SA Radio, brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's PILAR Project. Hi there, and welcome to The Steam Room. If you are a man who has sex with other men, then you are in the right place. If this subject offends you or does not interest you, well, then it's time for you to switch off. If, however, you're a guy who loves getting it on with another guy, then listen a bit closer, because in this series of programs, we talk about man-on-man sex in all its forms and how to keep healthy in the process. Okay, so, hi there, it's me again, remember me. Okay, well, (laughs) this is awkward. So perhaps it's time I reintroduce myself. My name is Max. That's right, Max, (laughs) which is definitely not my real name. I mean, that's what the steam room is all about. This is a safe space where we all wear masks so we can talk about anything and everything. And tonight, well, tonight, it can be said that we're going deeper than ever before, so to speak. Because for the next three hours of the show, we're going to travel into the world of mental and sexual health. You know, all the issues that can crop up from being a guy who loves having sex with other guys, whether those issues be on the physical or psychological side of things. Sex can absolutely be used to control people. Um, I've seen that around me with people being in certain relationships. It's very easy to end up in the space of being regarded as some dirty old man. Everybody on that group just accepted and, and understood and loved me for who I am, not for what happened to me. If you need help, then say, here I am, I need help, I need to connect. I hope you're ready to get steamy with me and join us here in the steam room tonight as we turn up the heat and really get things going. Are you ready? Here we go. And tonight, we're exploring the world of mental and sexual health. So, first of all, even though it might seem bleedingly obvious, what do men who have sex with other men think those terms mean? How do they relate to them? So we spoke to a few people, and here's what they said. What is the link between mental and sexual health? I think the link between mental health and sexual health is that the better you feel mentally, the better you are going to feel physically. And what I mean with that is if you perhaps do have mental health issues like low self-esteem or even depression, you might seek out sex to make yourself feel better. Um, in many ways, I think with when it comes to mental health issues and sex, if there is somebody with power issues, it can be reflected in sexual issues where a whole a dominant role play might become involved. Or the other way around, where somebody has too much power and they want to kind of experience uh, being submissive, um, it could play out in the sexual health. And uh, that could also then, I think, in a big way, especially with self-esteem issues, 
lead um, to promiscuity? Absolutely. I think there is a link between sexual and mental health. I've always thought of sex being very um, sacred, very beautiful, very satisfying. And with that question, I just wonder that if mentally I'm not healthy and mentally I'm not there, then it might not have the desired uh, result afterwards. So I think one needs to be in a really good space mentally and really healthy and stable for me to go in and have sex and share part of myself and a part of my soul and make it a beautiful um, event for myself. But yeah, I think I think there is definitely, most definitely a link between sexual and mental health. What can I say? I think the, the both are really, really, really relative because um, me, I think that if you are not if you are not okay mentally, you cannot have like a, a very, very, very good sexual life, you see. So um, I think the link is if people want to have a good life, if people want to have a good sexual life and i know people want to have a good sexual life they need to be okay mentally so uh the mental is very 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 much important for i think it's, it's even very important for all the field of a human being or what all what you, you do in your life you need to be mentally okay so the link is very 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 much present between mental and sexual and say and sex can sex be used to control people? Sex can ap absolutely be used to control people. Um, I've seen that around me with people being in certain relationships and one of the partners might manipulate the other one for money or for a car or for lifts or for booze or whatever. So sex can definitely be used to control people. <laughs> Do I think uh, people can use sex to manipulate or control people? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I remember having a friend who'd stick in a really toxic relationship, who'd always be depressed, but because the sex was so good, well, in his words, his dick was bomb and he really, really enjoyed every piece of him he had to just stick around and it was it was really not healthy and um yeah i think people can manipulate other people um through through sex and use other people and control other people's lives through sex just because they are gifted in that sector but yeah i i do believe so i do believe people can manipulate and control others using sex of course, people are doing that every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. People are doing that every day. Of course, people are doing that every day. I think is is even a way to for some people to 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 have what they want. Right? Like telling someone that uh, uh, maybe if if. You want to take some money from someone you think after having sex with him it will be it will be very very easy for you to ask him money like you know but um i don't think it's a good thing but people are doing that every day it's very much it's very much possible now when someone is in an emotionally unstable state do they have more or less sex 
When it comes to being emotionally unstable in an unstable emotional state, um, I think this can fall either two ways. If we're once again looking at somebody who, let's use our example as somebody who's got low self-esteem, it can lead to multiple sex partners to feel good, to feel better. Perhaps um, somebody who wants to be accepted uh, can get involved in uh, sexual activities to be accepted. So there can definitely be an increase um, to, in, in, in sex. Um, if somebody is on medication, however, like antidepressants or similar medications, it could um, lead to a decrease of sex life. So uh, that one can fall either two ways of the coin. Do I think people have more or less sex if emotionally unstable? Well, um, look, I think it differs, right, from person to person. Um, me, myself, personally, I, I wouldn't have sex if I'm emotionally not okay. Because, as I said, um, uh, I would want the desired result of feeling satisfied and feeling happy at the end. But I'm, I'm, I'm figuring if I'm emotionally not all right and I go and have sex in hopes that it will change my situation or I have more and more sex and still my situation's not changing, then I will, I'll, I'll just end up feeling worse. So no, yeah, no, I, I think I'd have less sex, if any, if I'm emotionally unstable. Mm, I believe that people that a human being that doesn't have very good sexual life is not stable, you know? <laughs> Even in a relationship, if the... Uh, I know, yes, there's that thing, yes, I love you, I... But if you keep if you keep telling someone I love you after six months without having sex with the person, the person is going to start looking at you like, mm, no, is yeah. there something? is there something going wrong, you know? So... I I think so, yes. I think I think so. Does sex fix emotional problems? Sex can't fix emotional problems. I think it is a, a short-term fix. If you are in it for a longer fix, then you need to go see a psychologist or a therapist. I mean, for that short while, while you are having sex with somebody, um, you might feel better about yourself. But afterwards, I don't think it works. It sure as hell can try. <laughs> no, I'm totally joking. Um, I don't think so. I don't think uh, sex can fix problems. I mean, um, like tequila, you have a shot, but the problems still stick the same. Sure, during sex, at the climax of sex, you feel perfect. You feel great. You feel like you're on cloud nine. But does it? Does the problems go away? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I honestly haven't experienced it and I don't think it would just uh, simply because problems are not were not rooted by sex. The, the problems did not start from sex. So why would they end with sex? You know what I'm saying? So no, I don't think uh, sex can fix certain problems or any problems. I know I'm not <laughs> I'm not OK with that one, but I think it depends. It depends on of the situation depend of the situation maybe if you have maybe if you have some problems with your partner some emotional problems with your partner once you fix it like once you fix it verbally you also have to fix it sexually 
Yes, exactly. If you, I think, um, I'm not, it, I think it's very, it very much depends on the situation, but if my mother dies, for example, and I'm crying my mother, don't call me and tell me, Raphael, let go and have sex so that you can forget that your mother, your mother, <laughs> your mother is dead, you know? So I think it's, it depends on what you are going through, like emotional problems, like the stress of the work, Yes, the stress of the work, a hard day, things like that. Yes, I think so. In some, it depends on the what you are living, what you are going through. Yeah. Should you refrain from sex when you're dealing with issues? I definitely refrain from sex when I'm dealing with issues, um, for the main reason that. You know, you become, um, especially if you have multiple partners or if you are single, you become more vulnerable to things. And uh, when I dealing, I'm dealing with issues, I'd rather channel that energy into solving the issue than try and um, go deal with it in another way. Personally, when I go through problems, um, I refrain from sex just simply because, I, as I said, I don't want to um, have sex for all the wrong reasons. And I think sex, man, is, is really something great that we're supposed to share with one another. But um, if honestly, in all honesty, rather, I am, I'm having sex for all the wrong reasons, then it's not only fair to myself, but also to the person I'm having sex with. And me knowing that will make me feel even worse at the end of sex. So I can't, I can't um, have, I can't refer rather to sex when I'm going through a lot of issues. Therefore, no, I, I totally refrain from sex when I'm going through my, uh, through my personal problems until I've sorted them out. Personally, no. That's me now. No. Generally, when I have problems, when I have like a lot of problems, the first thing I forgot about is sex. Like, that is what I was telling you. I was telling you in the, for the first question that uh, if you are not mentally okay, me, you know, when I'm not mentally okay, I forget about sex. For a long time, I forget about sex. So, um, but some people, yes, they find their comfort when they have problems in sex. I know some people that tells me, you know, when I have some problem, I need to have sex. And then for, for a little bit moment, for a moment, I forgot, I forget about my, all my problems. And, but me personally, no. The only way for me to have like a good, a good, a very, very, very great sexual relation is when I'm okay in my in my head. Yes. So there you have it. That's the word on the street when it comes to mental and sexual health, what it is and how they think on the subject. So now I'm left wondering, what does this topic mean to you? So how about you let me know? Just drop me a message on social media with your opinions. You can always search at Gay Essay Radio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn and get in touch that way. So you may already have your interest piqued by our topic tonight. But if there's somebody out there who feels that you may need a little bit more clarity on the subject, we're pleased that uh, tonight we can say we're joined by someone who knows all about just how important this topic is. Welcome to the show. 
Okay, so ready with your family. My name is Ethan. We're chatting to Tom Budge about mental and sexual health. Very broad question. Is there a link between mental health and sexual health? Oh, absolutely. I think sexuality is so much, very much, oh, it's very much part of who we are as human being. My metaphor for that is that we like a three-legged stool, really. We stand on a floor of spirituality, whatever that is in the context of who we are, depending how we kind of express that you know, through whichever religious or, or spiritual belief we have, that's the floor on which we stand. The three legs that form pillars of who we are as human beings, our intellect, that would be one leg our emotions, and our sexuality. And those three need to be in balance if that stool is going to be at all useful. If one leg is broken or missing, or one leg is too long or too short, that stool is just not going to work. And so we need to make sure as human beings that intellectually, emotionally, and sexually, we find that balance. And that's the link then between that mental state, uh, who we are as beings, and the expression of our sexuality. So then how do mental health issues manifest themselves into sexual issues? and potentially vice versa. I suppose there are many levels to this. At some stage, we're talking about chemsex here. Those are external chemicals that we get addicted to. If there's any kind of lack of self-worth or low self-esteem, very often people can find attraction and affirmation through the connection with others, and especially sexually, because if somebody else is prepared to see you as an attractive human being and get naked and actually be intimate with you, what finer affirmation can you get about yourself to cover up that low self-esteem or the emotional inadequacies? Other than that, that's one of the biggest affirmations of all. But then it can also play into the internal chemistry because we have our happy feel-good drugs, the dopamines and the serotonins, and it is those emotional highs sometimes that start to be chased. And if those are the only ways that we can feel good about ourselves, it can lead to obsessive sex. So then how does one go about unpacking and treating these issues with somebody? I think that's about balance is a horrible word because it becomes a bit of a cliche. I think we neither want to push at our sexuality, to push it away because we want to abstain from it. Sometimes in religious or, or spiritual context, sex is very often seen as the original sin. And it's a weakness, it's a flaw in one's character, which it certainly isn't. And so very often we encourage to push sex away and say it shouldn't be part of who we are. Obsessive sex, on the other hand, is a pulling at that sex. It's a neediness and it's driven out of neediness. Balance is that sweet spot in the middle. It's somewhere between neither pushing at it nor pulling at it, but just enjoying it for what it is. I think the best word that I can find for that is continence. You know, sometimes in the elderly, uh, bladders and bowels tend to lose continence and you have no control over them. And that's the key. If one is sexually continent, then you're using your sexuality as a part of who you are, but it's neither obsessive nor is there any guilt about it. So then someone wants to go seek help for this kind of stuff. What kind of people should they be talking to? It depends on the kind of help. You know, mental health, there are a whole heap of people out there that can help. Therapists, a whole range of different therapies. In my practice, I use hypnosis quite a lot with a lot of effectiveness. And it's not about reprogramming a person. It's about allowing that person to find their character and their nature and the safety zone in which they can be just a human being. So can you could chat about the link between age in the LGBT community and mental and sexual health? Oh, it's very much, it's a bit of a bell curve, I think. When, let's take a young boy, or I suppose girl for anybody that, for that matter, if you're a gay man, a gay boy, and somewhere around about puberty, you start to realize that you're attracted to men, there's the whole process of coming out. No matter how accepting the world is around you, no matter how 
great the constitution is, there's an anxiety about that. And it's something that gets prolonged, it gets pushed out. And there's the anxiety and the youthfulness until such a time as you start to find those connections. And those connections are usually secret connections. And then there's the self-outing or someone else will out you and then your sexuality becomes public. And after that, it's almost like, well, screw it. I am who I am. I'm going to express myself for who I am. And I don't really care what other people think of me. But then the flip side is that as a person starts to age, aging is a very difficult process uh, in the gay community because very often it's about either material acquisition, wealth, and one's sophistication as a, as a human being in one's material sense, or it's about how beautiful you are and what you have to offer as a person in terms of physique. But even that is a kind of a material thing too. And as a man ages, those attributes, the wealth might be there, but the physical attractiveness fizzles. And it's very easy to end up in the space of being regarded as some dirty old man. Very often I've been sitting in a pub somewhere in a, in a club and just watching. I'm an observer. And you see these men sitting and you, they may as well have tattooed onto their forehead the word lust or need or desperation probably even. And they try to do whatever they can in order to find a connection, but it comes across that desperation, that neediness comes across. And then with a little bit of unattractiveness, certainly at the physical level, those elderly men very quickly can be shunned from the community. And then it becomes a very lonely, dark place. I think there's a special thing that elderly people of all sexual persuasions need to look out for, and that is a thing called grace. It's not graceful, but it's grace. It's like style. You can't really define style. What makes a person stylish? It's hard to say. You can be in the northern suburbs of Johannesburg and you can have all the money in the world, but you can look at a person like that and you can say, oh, that woman really looks kitsch. And she may be the richest woman in the suburb, but there's no style with it. It's not about the value of the things that you are wearing. It's about how you wear it. And that enigmatic word style, which is so hard to quantify, is akin to that word grace. I know of elderly people who have grace. They will never age. Their character is an amazing character. And regardless of what the body looks like, there is a pull, there is an attractiveness, a magnetism of sorts that keeps people there. And I've seen elderly men, maybe they're not having sex with the boys, but there's a cloud of young men around them who just adore that person. They find inspiration from that person. And that takes a lot of hard work. The moment you hang out the little sign of desperation, suddenly it's a different kettle of fish entirely. And what is also quite sad is that when you get to the point where you can't really help yourself, where you need assisted living for heterosexual couples, it's off to the old age home. There's the retirement village. It's all geared around couples or single bereaved people, widows and widowers. But what happens in a gay person's life? There's no old age home for gay people where they can go and feel comfortable and be in a surrounding of caregivers who understand who they are. So young boys come out of the closet. Old men go back into the closet, which is a terrible thing to do because there's fear that if the word should get out in one of those retirement villages that this is a gay person who has had sex with another man, that they'll be as ridiculed, as taunted as they were when they were younger. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Tom Bo is talking to us about mental health and sexual health. Sorry I made you guys sit through that. They can be a lot. Not a problem, Elliot. I can't speak for Ed, but I love having dinner with your family. Now, Steph, I do too. Your mom is funny as shit. <laughs> and I get a look at George. So it's not all bad. Ed, if you could stop perving on my brother, that'd be great. But I guess some things never change, hey? 
Uh, it's not like you've been gone for ages. It is just three months. And in my experience, a nice, toned, spacey man, ooh, like your brother, takes a lot more time to wane than that. Oh my gosh, shut up, Ed. I can't deal with that. Uh, sorry about it. No apology. But maybe I'll keep it on a DL. I'll whisper in steps here. Can't be so blatant about it anymore now that you're back. Now that a triumphant sire has returned. Oh my god. Uh, to ease his loyalty subject from a lifetime of perpetual boredom and misery. Stephanie, why is he speaking in tongues? God, it's just him being himself. There's a new play down at the mosque and he can't stop speaking like it. We'll take you. Uh. I reckon we have to, seeing that we missed your 18th. Tell me your birthday at least fell on pizza day. <laughs> How do you know about pizza day? Some things about the clinic never changes. It's an institution. Wait, so I'm guessing you know about Jackie. Jackie with the hair? Yeah, oh my God, I've never seen a woman with a comb over before. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's... <laughs> something else. <laughs> <laughs> but Elliot, if we haven't said it yet... Welcome back. We missed you. Oh, yes. Welcome back, Squire. And in one piece, no less. Not to be scoofed at. You look good. I feel good. I've been better, though. But, you know, considering... Uh, yeah, but one piece. Squire. Oh, my God. Is it going to end? <laughs> <laughs> Ed, you're holding the bed. I want to lay down. Ellie, come over here. In a sec. Do you guys want to listen to music? Yeah, sure. So what's the deal with school? I'm going back in June after the break is over. When's that? On Wednesday. Don't look so worried. I feel ready. It's my choice. I have to get Madrid out of the way at some point. Commendable. Elliot, are you sure though? I'm sure your parents wouldn't mind I'm you sure. Are... The clinic teaches you what you can and can't handle, I guess. Okay. It's okay. Anyway, how's university going? Yeah, nah, it's all good. Yeah, I can't complain, though it's definitely the buffet they warned you about. Buffet of everything. It is. But luckily we're there for each other to keep things in check. I see. Have you seen any of your school friends yet? None. You're the first ones I've seen since I've been back. Oh? Yeah. Don't worry too much about that. Some people get that way. When one of their friends slit their wrist. Yeah. When something like that happens. But it's your job to show them that you That you can handle it. And that you came back strong. I'm not entirely sure I have. You're Elliot Roberts. You couldn't have come back anything else. Good morning. Jeez, you're ready to go already? Yeah, I woke up a little early just having a snack. Yum. My favorite kind of breakfast, huh? Pulls. I know, right? <laughs> Though the Prozac's a bit spicy, hence the milky cereal. Ooh, be careful. We'll stack on the killers if you keep overeating like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you saw this for lunch and all that? Yeah, Maria packed me one. Like, it's my first day. Kinda is, slacker. Still putting me to shame, though. I still have a few things to get done. Mind waiting a little longer? School starts soon, though, eh? I'll be quick. You know, I just gotta whip up uh, some kind of breakfast together. You know, you don't have to drop me off at school. I can take the bus like I usually do. There's no need for that. George. No, really. No, I have plans in the city with Mel later on anyway. Oh, yes. The new girlfriend. I still have to meet her. She can't wait to meet you? Um, not to ruin the mood, but does she know about... Uh, about what? You know. Me, the clinic, uh, and all that stuff. I mean, I understand if you don't want, if we haven't told her. Elliot. No, I get it. It's a lot to take in. You don't want to scare her off now, do you? Huh? <laughs> Dude. What? 
Don't think of yourself like that. You're not a liability. What happened, happened. I'm your brother, man. Okay? I know. I'm not ashamed I... of you. I know. It's just I... You I... need to trust that I'm going to be your brother through all this shit. Okay? I'm not going anywhere. Okay? I told her. And she's really cool with it. I mean, not cool with it. You know, she understands it. I mean, if she didn't, I wouldn't still be dating her. Okay. Thanks. No Thanks for that. No, no, no problem, man. Um, just like it's not a problem to drop you off today, might as well make it as comfortable as possible. The bus is a drag. That it is. Um, but Ellie, speaking of, I heard what time you came back last night. Again. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry, did I... No, no, chill oh. out. Mom and dad didn't hear anything. I'm just worried, that's all. Well, where did you go? Just for a walk. At 3 a.m., Ellie? I just needed some air. Uh, I'm sorry if I woke you, eh? No, 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 it's, it's okay. Uh, I was up anyway. I just wanted to make sure that everything is fine. Yeah, no, it is. Don't stress. Guess I just needed it. Today's a big day. First day back at the big dollar. Yeah, it is. And then you're doing great. Thanks. No, really. Okay, let's hit the road. Shit, I think I got you a bit late. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no one's in the quad. I'm sorry, dude, you know, traffic and all. Why are you looking at me like that? George. Okay, so maybe I thought you could do without the crowd. I'm okay, George, I promise. Mm -hmm. But thanks. No problem. <sighs> okay. All good? Yeah, just gathering myself. Gathering myself. Take your time. <clears throat> yeah, okay. You'll, you'll be okay. I will, I will, huh? I will, I will. If you need me to pick you up later again, I will. It's no problem. That's okay. I'll handle getting home. Okay? Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't show them what you made of, man. Okay. That was Homecoming, written by Arlen Banton. It featured Kevin Narain as Elliot, with Antoinette Modise as Steph, Christmas Mokone as Ed, and Dylan Park as George. Final production was done by Ethan Baird and the play was directed by Hendrik Baird. This play was produced as part of The Steam Room, which is brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's PILA project. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. Stay streaming. The Steam Room will be right back. My name is Max, and you're listening to The Steam Room here on Gay SA Radio, where you are family. The Steam Room is brought to you by the South African National Department of Health's Pilar Project. So, seeing as tonight we're talking about mental and sexual health, I thought we should take to the streets to find out what men who deal with these issues have to say. Do you use sex to feel better about yourself? Um, I, I can't use sex to feel better about myself. I don't use sex to feel better about myself. But uh, back then, I used to. I used to use sex trying to feel better about myself because just those temporary pleasures made me believe that um, it is 
my problems are gone. But then growing up, I realized that the only thing that um, can remove my problems is internally. And it was not okay. I just ended up feeling worse than I did. I've never um, used sex to feel better about myself. Um, not that I can remember. Have you ever had sex and felt bad afterwards? Um, yeah, I think it was when I realized for the first time that sex actually does not fix problems. And yeah, um, I felt really, really terrible because it was, it was building up. It was building up. I was going and having sex. I was going around having sex. It was really, really, I was really young. So it was building up and towards a point where after um, this one incident where I was done having sex, I really felt terrible. I had like a shutdown and I was... Um, I was referred to therapy and only after did I realize what I was doing to myself and to the persons that I was having sex with that it was really, really not cool. And yeah, I really felt bad and I felt really terrible inside. So yeah, um, I, I, that was my experience of when I felt bad after having sex. I've had um, occasions where I've had sex with people and I felt bad afterwards, especially when I was younger. I mean, um, or when you are in your early 20s or late teens, you do take in to grab an opportunity when it presents yourself and nobody really wants to be branded as slut. So I think yeah, if you do feel like a slut afterwards, um, you do get sometimes deal with guilt feelings there. And uh, I've gone through that and I think quite way down the line, I, I've dealt with it and no, not anymore. Have you used sex to escape the present? Um, I think I've shared a lot about my history and when I did not know better and that I thought sex would fix everything and that was only simply because I was going through the most and I didn't have anyone tell me, hey, listen, this is not what the way to go. But instead, it would be, hey, let's go for drinks um, and you'd meet guys at the bar and guys would invite you over and you'd say, well, my, my life generally right now is being is, is such crap. Let me just go ahead and have sex with this guy. Maybe things will be hunted glory. And temporarily, it would be. I mean, it, like I said, those temporary pleasures and those temporary uh, um, moments when you climax and you feel like everything is perfect. But um, I, I think after I realized that that's the case, no, no, I, yeah, no. I don't use sex anymore to um, escape my uh, current situations. Instead, I, I'd, I'd rather talk to someone, so yeah. I've never used sex to escape the present. Um, I think rather you, in that moment, embrace the present than trying to escape it, so I've never used it as an escape tool. Does sex have an emotional bearing over you? <laughs> Does sex have any emotional bearing? Yeah, like good bearing now, especially if it's with someone you are totally into and you're a good place in your life and your heart is just beaming with love and afterwards you're just like, you know what, I can't wait to do that again with that person just because you really, really feel great about yourself and you know that you, you're not going into it with baggage and you are mentally just sound and saint. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I can safely and confidently say that sex has an amazing, great bearing uh, over me emotionally. Uh, sex doesn't really have an emotional bearing over me. Or once again, I think you, uh, you need to kind of look at a balance there. And it took me a very long time 
to have a balance between sex and making love and I am in a stable relationship with somebody I love very much so um, I think there's a big balance there so no can we find a balance between mental and sexual health basically it's making sure that you are not having sex for the wrong reasons and making sure that uh, mentally you are sound and if you are not then it does not mean it's the end of the world um, find help go online um, speak to professionals um, seek help listen to gay SA radio you know what I'm saying and um, just see how you can sort things out for yourself before um, going out and having sex with someone else so I think there is great solutions into finding balance between um, mental and sexual health. You can find a balance between mental and sexual health. I mean, uh, you, and that journey is going to, to vary from person to person. I don't think anybody's journey to, to get to that point would be the same. But um, there is a, definitely is a balance. And uh, I think in my relationship, I have achieved that. Um, and it's hard work and it's a constant thing that needs to be tended to. Um, otherwise, I think that balance can very easily tip out of balance. It's always so great to hear straight from the horse's mouth, don't you think? I mean, one thing that really surprises me is just how often I can relate to the answers here. If that's the case for you, I hope you're starting to feel like family. If not, well, then keep listening. Getting all this nitty-gritty to you is what Gay SA Radio is here for. It's always better to know exactly where you're at with your sexual health and how to keep yourself in the clear. To help make that process a whole lot easier, Gay Essay Radio is here to lend a helping hand. So, in the studio with us, we have a professional to answer a few questions. Welcome to the Steam Room. Gay Essay Radio, where you are family. This is Ray, and today we are joined by Pierre Bruard from Center for Sexualities, AIDS, and Gender to chat to us about mental and sexual health. Do you think yeah. there is a link uh, between mental and sexual health? Definitely. Um, I mean, I think first of all, Anybody who grew up as gay or lesbian or trans, for example, uh, uh, would have likely experienced some form of discrimination and negative attitudes towards their sexual orientation or gender identity. And that um, can definitely contribute to long-standing uh, low self-esteem, uh, feelings of isolation, and alienation, and can contribute to depression and anxiety. So anybody who's suffering from depression and anxiety can, in fact, end up having a, um, a problematic sex life. So if you're depressed, for example, mm. you may not be able to function well sexually. You may feel undesirable. Um, you may be less likely to protect yourself in a sexual encounter because you have a low sense of self-worth. An, an anxious person might struggle to perform sexually. Um, but I think there's also kind of a reverse relationship because if you're having a really good sex life, which is affirming and uh, mutual and satisfying, that in itself contributes to mental well-being. So there's a, a very powerful link, I would say, between mental and sexual health. And also, how does uh, one go about treating uh, these mental or sexual issues? 
Well, there isn't a simple and neat answer to that question because you can imagine if you know you've you're a 40 year old gay man and for most of your life you've been told that you are unworthy or second class citizen uh, to undo those years of negative conditioning is not a simple process mm-hmm. um, i would say first of all um, individual psychotherapy is one way in which someone can start to unpack all those negative messaging that one has received and and to do something about it um support groups um or i suppose medication is 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 a factor you know if you have have severe forms of depression and anxiety then seeing a psychiatrist or a gp whose understanding of mental health issues can be helpful but i also think if you have positive and affirming relationships you know i don't necessarily only mean sexual relationships or that's important but if you have friends a family a sense of community where you feel connected where you feel affirmed where you feel people like you and accept you for who you are in a sense that's a form of treatment to be surrounded by people who really appreciate and value you for your for who you are unconditionally i think those are some of the sort of immediate suggestions i would make to somebody um it's not easy you know we live in a fast paced world and i think the social media space um mm. can be quite negative and even if you think about people who use dating or hookup apps um those can be quite brutal sometimes you know so i would i would if if you're finding that those are having a negative impact on your life i would look for other ways to find um forms of affirmation All right. And uh I think from everything you just unpacked for us in terms of mental or sexual health, you can you confidently say that people can find actually a good balance between mental and sexual health. Well, I think um balance is is always going to be dependent on what's going on in your life at the moment. I don't think anybody can say, I know I can't. that I've achieved a perfect balance um in all aspects of my life confidently going forward that I'm never going to be unsettled by something you know something can happen in your life where you have you know a relationship can break down um or somebody that you're very close to passes away um or you um find that you're not happy in your job or you get a physical illness all of those can affect your wellness and your well-being and so it's not only about i think balance which i think is achievable from time to time but also whether you've got um resilience in being able to rise up from adversity and getting help from people who care about you and support you to get you through a particular moment of crisis and then you might find that you're feeling good and balanced for a while um but then a new crisis can emerge so i think balance fun balance is is an ongoing life strategy Thank you so much Pierre that was of course Pierre Bruard from Center for Sexualities AIDS and Gender chatting to us about mental and sexual health my name is Ray and this is Gay Essay Radio where you are family Now that was an insider's info on how to keep yourself safe and anxiety free 
I'm Max, and you're listening to The Steam Room here on Gay SA Radio, where you are family. I've invited an expert to quickly tell us about alternative mental health therapy. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. This is Ray, and today we chat to Peter Furstenberg about Lego's serious play methodology, as well as playful men. Welcome, Peter. What is Playful Men all about? All right. So Playful Men is a workshop which uh, has been put together using the Lego Serious Play methodology. Um, before minds go all over the place, uh, <laughs> you know, we sort of, uh, we reel it back. So it really plays with the, 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 the fun concept of, of getting back to childhood and just playing with Lego and just playing with, you know, having a bit of fun with whatever whatever the topics are. Um, so we tackle quite serious topics within the workshop um, and just get a broad sense of what everybody's opinion are about those topics. You know, so we would, would, I'd pose a question to to the group. They would go back and then build what they think their idea is. Um, and then we would discuss those ideas and we would discuss and see, you know, what we have in common, what's, what's the differences. And you really get a sense of, you know, all men are really the same. All men think the same. All men have exactly the same mindset at the end of the day. Um, and I think this, this highlights it um, in, in such a phenomenal way where you can visually see, you know, what the similarities are and you can visually see what the differences are and what makes us unique ultimately. And why did you feel the need to have something that caters only for men instead of women too? Um, this could just as easily be moved into the female realm. This yeah. is certainly no, no one stopping. <laughs> You're doing that and we might actually do that uh, in the long run. But men specifically, um, through another series of workshops which I've been involved in over over the years, um, one of the big issues that come to the forefront is that men don't talk. Men just don't talk about their issues. They don't talk about their problems. They don't talk about just about anything. You know, they just keep everything so deep inside that they don't, they don't share. Um, so the whole reason for, for the workshop is to get men to just talk and just share and just realize, hang on, you know what, we're, we're all in this together. Mm. Um, you know, we've got f some real issues that we need to face and solve um, and by just talking about it, it's the first, first starting point to get these things resolved yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And would you consider this therapy method unconventional? And if you can just, if you do, if you can just delve a little bit into how and why you'd say that. I don't, it's probably a little bit unconventional. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it really taps into the playful nature of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the fact that we love playing, we love having fun and through harnessing that power of fun, you can turn it into purposeful play that would then um, make it, you, you can bring what's in the mind in a very v tangible 3D way. You can see it in real life. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can talk about it. You can point to things. Mm. Um, so it makes concepts that's a lot of times difficult to express it makes it easy to express and it, it puts it on the table and give you a point of reference which is amazing um and you know in terms of the application for this sort of stuff i mean there's a lot of companies that 
that use this. I mean, all the all the big boys have used it at some stage. I mean, Lego Lego themselves have used it. I mean, yeah. that's the the whole way it was born in the first place. You know, they they had this belief that you don't need an external, uh, you don't need someone from externally to actually come and tell you what the problems with the, within the company is. You can do it from from within. You can you can harness the power of the company themselves. And build and leverage that. If you, if you give it a voice, then you can you can actually talk yeah. about it, and you can actually come up with amazing solutions from within an organization, from within yourself. Um, and that's that's the real power of this: the fact that we all have an answer, we all have our own opinions, and we can all bring it to life by simply just airing it and giving it a voice. So. Yeah, many big companies have used this to solve some very complicated complicated yeah. problems. Is there a secret on what it does differently as opposed to sitting down? And what is that secret in the success of Lego uh, play, Serious Play methodology? The secret? I don't think there's a real secret. I think the if, if you have to attach a secret to it, to it, I think it's the whole idea of bringing play back. Is, yeah. is, is getting back into basic human nature where we all want to play, we all want to have fun. Um, and by simply doing that, you start unlocking so much ideas and potential. Because if you're in that state of flow where you're having fun, you can, you can bring magic, magic to the foreground. Yeah. You, know, you, you can really solve big issues if you, if you put it into into practice all right and before i let you go um is there anything else about your workshops or uh therapy the therapy method that you'd like us to chat about or you'd like to share with us that we haven't touched on um in terms of the workshops we don't do many of them there's mm -hmm. there's uh, only four of them remaining this year um so the the groups aren't very big so if you are interested you know get in touch and we can we can certainly point you in the di right direction um, and then, yeah, sign up and come and come and have a day of fun and just see what you can discover. And for more of that information and the dates of the four remaining on the workshops and where people can contact you, how, how can they go about finding this? All right. We do have a website. Um, it's called playfulmen.co.za. So if you go onto the website, you'll find all the information about the workshops and you can also find all the dates the various workshops will take place. All right. Thank you so much. This is Ray. And I was chatting to Peter Furstenberg about Lego Serious Play methodology, as well as Playful Men. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it. Remember, if you need more information, go check out the Gay Essay Radio website, gayessayradio.co.za. And if you want to chat with me, you can always send me an email. You can send it to info at gayessayradio.co.za. This is Gay Essay Radio, where you are family. I'm Max, and this is The Steam Room. And on today's show, we're chatting about mental and sexual health. And up next is quite an in-depth interview on the matter. Please be advised that this content contains explicit descriptions of rape and violence. Sensitive listeners are advised to use their discretion. KSA Radio, you are family. I'm Rian and I'm talking to Garrick about a life-shattering event that happened to him about six years ago in Cape Town. What was meant to be a fun night out turned into anyone's worst nightmare. While visiting a gay club in the city, someone spiked his drink. A violent gang rape followed. 
sharp objects were inserted into his rectum and he was left naked on the streets for dead. He was also diagnosed with HIV after the incident. Coming to terms with what happened, Garrick shared some of his stories with us. Mentally and psychologically, how did you how did you get through this? I mean, it's it's it, it's obviously been a very dark and difficult time, and I mean, from from getting out of the hospital and hearing you're HIV positive and going into this absolute self destruct mode, up to where you are now, how did you manage? How did you cope? Do they know about Dex Incorporated? Yes, because of that that is a very very large part of me being where I am today. So just for people who have missed um, what Dix Incorporated is, it's a WhatsApp group that a whole bunch of us belong to, and it's a, it's more of a support kind of system yes. than anything else at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not it's not really a hookup group at all. It's um, a big gay, big gay family, and we really, really are like that. Anyway, um, how I could, actually how I could get, to get through this was by, by telling as many people that were willing to listen about what happened. This is on Dix Incorporated as well. Yeah, on Dix Incorporated as well. There is there is a level of shit that comes with that too, because you're by by telling people this, you're automatically asking people to judge you. And I'm not I'm not faced by that. That's another a coping mechanism that I found is as soon as I was off the drugs and I had a clear mind, I find a, I found a way to forgive myself. I forgave myself first. I, I will never forgive those people. I don't know who they are. Um, but you have to forgive yourself. It's, it's, it's the first step, actually, in, in fixing all of this. And then speak about it. Don't, don't, don't keep it in, because you will, self, you, will de- you will destroy yourself. You'll totally destroy yourself. And that is, that is the only way that I've coped, was by telling my story to anybody that would listen and... Yeah, then I then I got introduced to this group, Dex Incorporated, and everybody on that group just accepted and and understood and loved me for who I am, not for what happened to me. And if anybody can find that in a situation like this, I think you're going to be okay. You mentioned that people judge scenarios like this. Why is it a natural human thing? Why do you think? And how did you handle that? Uh, from people very close to me and people that are not close to me, I've had many people say, but this is on you. You went to the gay club. And in a way, yes, yeah, that is. It's that kind of judgment. Um, why, why, did you, why did you destroy yourself with drugs like this? That kind of judgment. I think what people don't understand, they judge on. And we're all like that. Everyone, I'm sorry, I'm like that. Somebody tells me a story and I don't know so much about it, I'm going to think, hmm, you know. So, um, anyway, this group of people, really, and, and my family, my, I've got a very supportive family. I've actually had a very supportive family through all of this. I mean, from coming out of the closet, I'm very, I was a very lucky like that. So, I, I just, I, every, I wish everybody had the family that I had. Not just in this situation, in all situations. That helped me cope. I think rape in general is a, a very difficult thing to, 
to cope with for anybody. Do you think it's more difficult for men if you as a male were kind of got raped? Do you think it's more difficult for a man to deal with that? Absolutely. Across the board, um, across all sexualities, I, I think it's very difficult because it's within us to feel that we, we are men and we can defend ourselves. And rape doesn't happen to men. I'm saying this in, in air quotes. Rape doesn't, men don't get raped. And, yeah, it's very difficult to deal with because you feel that your masculinity was taken away from you, your defences were taken away from you, and society dictates that we can't speak, we can't say that this has happened to us. And I think only recently has rape been, been classed as a criminal offence towards a man. Before that, it was indecent assault. So we were also shut up about it, basically. So, yeah, it's very difficult to deal with. If you could say anything to the people who did that, what would you say to them? It's probably the wrong time to ask me that, but I would say, look what you did. Look what you did. And you didn't need to do that. Um... I would also, I would like to say to them, I forgive you, but I won't be able to get to that point. Um, and I would like to say, please don't do it to anybody else. If you're going to give advice to anybody that gets in a similar situation. Across the board, I would say at the very beginning, when you realize something's happening to you, find somebody and cling on to that person, somebody that you can... Just, just make sure that you're going to be okay. Um, getting through it, talk about it. Go to, go to counselling, go to therapy, do, but talk about it. Get it off your, off your chest, off your shoulders. And if you develop a relationship with somebody you can talk to, you can also speak to them about wanting to self-destruct when that feeling comes, because that feeling will come. And they can get you away from that. And don't feel that this was on you. That is the biggest advice that I can give you. This is not your fault. This, it's not your fault. Somebody else exercised power over you. You didn't ask for it. It's my advice. Okay, so ready with your family. I'm Rion and that was Garrick. Wow, that was indeed an eye-opening chat. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Gay SA Radio, where you are family. We're joined by yet another expert on the matter. Join me in welcoming the expert who's no stranger to the steam room. Thanks, Bruce, for letting us hang out once again. This is Gay SA Radio, where you are family. I go by the name of Ray. And today we chat to Bruce Little from Anova Health Institute, chatting to us about mental and sexual health. Do you think there is a link between mental and sexual health? I personally believe that there is a link between mental and sexual health. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in the field. But 
from my personal experience, I believe that mental health is connected to a good sense of self, feelings of self-worth, a feeling of connectedness to other people, to your community, to, the, to your friends and your family. And if there isn't a good connection between yourself and your community, and if there's a feeling of isolation or alienation, then that results in in a possible connection to uh, mental uh, mental issues, you know. So things like trauma caused by maybe being thrown out of the house because you're gay by your your family, or maybe being um, cut off by the, the the church or the community that you live in because they have an issue with your homosexuality or or being queer or whatever your identity may be that they consider to be other, all of those things are quite traumatizing. They can leave you feeling depressed, feeling isolated and alienated. And and those things can have long-term effects. What happens is when, when somebody feels, in my experience, in my observation, I've noticed that when there is a feeling of alienation and isolation, mm-hmm. then it can cause a desire um, and can also result in desperation. And that desperation uh, and that depression makes uh, an individual more likely to engage in risky sexual acts. And that statistically, it has been proven that that. Um, men who are depressed, men who are um, have low feelings of self-worth and who do feel disconnected and alienated, there has been a direct correlation with uh, risky sexual behavior. They, they are less inclined to use condoms during sex. They are less inclined to... Um, to make healthy uh, sexual decisions. You know, they are more inclined to, to make use of substance abuse, so um, heavy use of alcohol, drug abuse, and drug use. And, those, and drug use and alcohol abuse is also linked to risky sexual behavior. So when you drink or too much to excess and or you're engaging in, in the use of drugs, then your inhibitions are, are severely... Um, compromised and as a result you you are you just don't care you're like oh who cares i don't care about tomorrow i don't care about myself i don't care about this person so who cares if i use a condom or not like it doesn't matter and that's the problem you're less likely to take care of yourself mm. and and that's a problem i think you just um shared with us how mental health issues can manifest as a sexual uh, intimacy issue too. But how does one go about treating these mental or sexual issues? It's a very difficult uh, question to answer because at the end of the day, the individual has to take responsibility for their own well-being. You can't just roam the streets and pluck people off the streets and then say, you know, and force them to to engage in certain projects or therapies that are going to help them with their mental health. So the first thing that needs to happen is that individuals have to acknowledge to themselves that things are not right that they don't feel good about themselves. So I, as an individual, have to take responsibility for my own mental health. I have to take care of myself. I have to recognize the fact that I feel isolated, that I'm I'm behaving have my own best interests at heart. And then I need to take the necessary action. So I need to reach out. So, and that has many different phases. So what I can do is I can phone the toll free line for the South African uh, Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAC. Um, I can I can find other ways. I can I can um, 
join associations or, or like the Mankind Project and, and uh, you know, form connections with other men that will help me to be a better man, brother, uh, father, uh, lover. And then also to just reach out to my community and uh, say to friends and family, if you need help, then say, here I am, I need help, I need to connect uh, and try and and also not to, you know, try and think in the long term. And the problem is, is that we, we live in a society nowadays where the focus is on instant gratification. So I'm feeling lonely now, I'm going to find somebody now and have sex with them now. And that's a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you might find somebody in the next 15 to 20 minutes to have sex with, but that's not a long-term solution to the loneliness and the emptiness that you feel. And and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with meeting up with somebody and, and having having sex with them, that's awesome. Sex is fabulous. It's a fantastic way to engage with another human being. But what I am saying is that if you're using sex as a crutch, if you find that the way you're engaging with other people sexually is not healthy for you, if you don't, uh, if if you have sex like this and you don't end up feeling good about yourself afterwards, then there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Then then you're not using it correctly, you know. And then and then that's it's tied into things like sexual addiction or substance abuse, all of these things. They're detrimental to your health in the long term. The sex that you sh- you're having should be sex that that reinforces the um, the good things about you, the way you feel about. Yourself. The intimacy that you're having with others should be reinforcing the good things that you uh, believe about yourself. You know, if you find yourself um, feeling really crap about the, the sex that you're having or the, uh, the things that you're doing, then you're on the road to struggling with your your own mental health. Whereas if you are doing things today that are going to improve your tomorrows, then you're on the road to mental well-being. All right, Bruce. Now, on everything you just touched on, and also um, after an individual makes that decision for themselves, um, would you confidently say that people can find a good balance with uh, mental and their sexual health? I think it's, it's up to the individual. It also depends on what the individual is struggling with. You know, mental health is is a challenging concept because there is mental illness as well. So certain certain individuals are suffering from mental illness and they, they haven't been diagnosed, they haven't um, sought medical attention. And for some people, this is not the case for everyone, but some people do need to seek uh, medical attention or see a psychiatrist or see a therapist. And some people do need to be on medication to, to help them uh, maintain a, a, a good mental lifestyle. Um, so it's, it's complex, but... You know, if you if you don't feel that you if you haven't been diagnosed as having a clinical depression or or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or whatever the case may be, um, then then there are basic steps that you can take. You know, just make sure that you do things that that are going to look after you in the long term. So avoid toxic relationships, avoid toxic relationships with substances. Um, you know, if you find that every weekend you're going out, you're drinking to excess, you're taking drugs, you're having sex with people that you don't really connect with, you're having sex, but you're not finding any intimacy or connection with other people, then you can, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that in the long term, you're not going to be feeling very good about yourself. So we are a collection of the, the choices we make every day. And if you're choosing every day 
to do things that are not um, going to look after you or make you feel good, then the end result is that you're not going to feel good. You're not going to be mentally healthy. So it's, you know, choose every day to do things that are for your own best interest. And then you'll, you know, you'll, you'll reap the benefits of, of feeling good about yourself. Thank you, Bruce. That was Bruce Little from Anova Health Institute chatting to us about mental and sexual health. I am Ray and this is Gay Essay Radio, where you are family. Well, I hope you found that segment informative and helpful as a life vest to help keep your head above water. Thank you again for joining us. This is The Steam Room on Gay SA Radio, where you are family. Now, after a show like today's one, a very important one, I might add, you might be left wondering where to finally get the help that you may need. If that's the case, our next segment here is sure to help you to do just that and get on the right track. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. I am Ray, and today I'm happy to be joined by Pierre Bruard from Center for Sexualities, AIDS and Gender to tell us where you can get help. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about everything you do. Thank you. Um, so, yes, um, I'm the Deputy Director of the Centre for Sexualities, AIDS and Gender at the University of Pretoria. And I'm a clinical psychologist by training. And mostly over the last 30 years or so, I've worked in the um, HIV field, which of course means that I've been doing work around sex and sexualities as well. Okay. And uh, please tell us more about Center for Sexuality, uh, AIDS and Gender and the history of the organization. It's been going for about um, 20 years or so. And we see our main role as helping the University of Pretoria to manage and understand HIV as it relates to the university as an employer, but also as um, an institution that is shaping the lives of young people. So we're interested in in, um, academic work, theory and research making um, and teaching, but also in engaging with what it means for real people's lives on the ground. Mm. Probably one of the most exciting and interesting things that we've done over the years is to offer a student leadership training program where we engage them with lessons and discussions around sexualities, AIDS, and gender, and then encourage them to take up activities to mobilize for change. Um, Part of that is just having more open-minded conversations about sex, about gender, gender identity, gender relations, um, and to be more free, I suppose, to talk about things that really matter to young people. Mm -hmm. Who is the... Uh, center open to is it open to everybody at public or is it just the university right so um, most of our work is aimed at the university Um, we as I said we do a lot of work with students um, with staff and then uh, we do advocacy work on the campus as well trying to make it more inclusive for I suppose all kinds of people people with HIV people with disabilities but also for queer persons so um, our, our main focus is the university community, but we have also engaged in community projects and some of our youth work links us with universities in the Southern African region. Oh. Um, so our brief um, extends our work beyond our borders as well. 
we, we're not generally open to the public for a sort of a walk-in service. So we do HIV testing, for example, for students. But because of our funding, our limited funding resources, we do focus our energies in that regard on the university and student community. Okay. And have you partnered with anyone else to strengthen the objective of Center for Sexualities, AIDS and Gender? We definitely have worked um, with multiple partners over the years. That, that sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? <laughs> Thinking about sexuality. Um, but multiple partners in our sense is, um, you know, first of all, we have partners on the university campus. So the Center for Human Rights is an obvious partner. Um, with them, we've run a number of HIV projects over the years and with them, we do quite a bit of work around sexualities and gender because they have a specific unit looking at the rights of LGBTI people. Um, but we also work with um, other NGOs in the field. With uh, We've worked with government, with mm-hmm. UN agencies, and international donors as well. So we, we definitely see our work as collaborative. Okay, and I've heard you mention one of the innovations that you have launched. Um, please tell us, under Center for Sexualities, uh, AIDS and Gender, is there any other innovations that you have implemented to further help yeah. people? Well, you know, beyond our, our student leadership program, which I think has been incredibly successful in, in developing a, a generation of young people committed to social justice, We've also um, started some a small project, but I think it's quite exciting. We're calling mm. it the Queer Space Collective. Mm. Um, and it's an initiative to promote inclusivity of queer persons and bodies and expressions at the University of Pretoria. Um, we're hoping to have, in early 2019, a Pride Literary Festival, for example. Um, so we, you know, we, we see that as an initiative, which is opening up the university to other voices, other expressions, and, and challenging, I suppose, heteronormativity and dominant ways of being. Yeah. All right. And for people who wish to contact the Center for Sexualities, AIDS, and Gender, how can they go about doing this? Well, um, they could uh, contact us by telephone. Um you know, through by calling 012-420-4391. And then we also have a website, um, which is www.csaugup.org. Sorry, I got that wrong the first time around. (laughs) It's okay. Thank you so much for sharing with us where people can get help. That, of course, was Pierre Bruard from Center for Sexualities, AIDS and Gender. I am Ray and this is Gay SA Radio where you are family. And that's all from us here on The Steam Room on Gay SA Radio. Thanks once again for listening and getting up close and personal with me, Max as we enjoy yet another thrilling night of open and honest talk about the ins and outs of all things connected to man-on-man sex. And in our next show, we'll, as usual, be bringing you interviews, info segments, and dramatic content as we undo the covers and climb into a talk about sex clubs. Our next topic... 
thanks for streaming. I'm Max. Yes, I'm still sticking to that old story. I'm Max. And this has been The Steam Room on Gay SA Radio, where you are family.